The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Katie Mox and Will Brinson here, joined by our Pick Show squad. Today, it's Alex Selznick and Emery Hunt of Sportsline. The last episode, the Super Friends hashed out week two of the NFL season. You got Breach, Wilson, and Brinson. A lot of good takes there. Uh, like, is Justin Herbert anti-clutch? I think more. It's Emery, Emery, Emery got a Beachbody Stafford shout-out on that, on that episode. I'll tell you that much. Okay. Is it just, I mean, okay, I, I tuned in, but I must have missed the uh, is Justin Herbert anti-clutch. I feel like Staley is more the anti-clutch coach. Oh, yeah, yeah. Than, Staley got yeah. Staley got dragged pretty aggressively. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, if you want to catch that episode, um, it is a fun one. You can watch it on our YouTube channel or the audio version wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, while you're there, feel free to hit subscribe and uh, you won't miss another episode. All right. Let's take a look at early leans for week three of the NFL. If we look at some betting trends and recaps, underdogs and road teams reigned supreme uh, this weekend. Underdogs eight and five against the spread. Road teams seven and six against the spread. Road dogs, you love to see it. Five and three against the spread. 13, six and one on the year. Overs were king. We had unders that were really big in week one, and then it kind of flipped. Overs were 12 and two. Any any thoughts? We'll start with you, Prop Stars. Any thoughts on kind of these betting trends that happened uh, in week two? Yeah, it was fascinating. Uh, so far, week of football. I thought there was a lot of overreaction week yeah. one, especially from a prop standpoint as well. We saw a lot of teams kind of settled down. Uh, certainly, as you mentioned, Katie, with the overs, I felt like teams kind of shook a lot of that rust off. Yeah. Not sure what's happening with Cincinnati's offense still, oh. uh, but the majority of other teams uh, look to be a lot more cohesive, kind of what we expected. So gotten rid of some of those jitters and that early rust. So I think things are kind of trending where we thought they would be week one, but just took a little bit of time to acclimate. I feel like not having starters in the preseason is starting to get more and more concerning for week one of the NFL. And then by the time week two comes, it kind of regresses. 
back to well, positive I mean, regression. Well, I would say just to that point, I think it is. So we have a really small sample size in terms of number of years um, with just the three preseason games, right? Like this is a new thing that's happened recently. And I sort of wonder if this, and this is like something that we won't know for, you know, like a year or whatever, we'll might have a determination depending on how offenses look in week three. But like, what if this is a case of the NFL is finally, is actually adjusted now to three preseason mm. games. And that first week is going to be the fourth preseason game. And then by week two, the, these NFL players who, I mean, you know, I mean, not all of them have been doing it forever, but like a lot of them were used to four preseason games. And so like now the natural sort of, like, in other words, like, has there been a rhythm that's sort of been figured Disrupted. out where yeah. by week two, the offenses start to click? Or was this more of like, you know, a matchup thing that we saw in week two? I, I tend to think it's more of the former because, you know, you have like Chiefs and Jaguars goes way under. Um, but like Colts and Texans, the divisional matchup goes uh, goes over Seahawks Lions. We thought that game could be crazy. Tons of points. The Titans are scoring 27. The Cardinals are dropping 28. I mean, like, you know, just, I mean, <laughs> Which I know, Emory, Emory, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I mean, Emory, I don't know what you thought, you know, but to me, one week two is way more enjoyable than week one. Like yes. just in terms of the football, you had multiple overtime games there were much many more close games. It did feel like just from a sort of a, a macro, um, you know, a anecdotal perspective that the offenses were a little bit cleaner too. Right. Yeah, I think y'all all are on the same track and on the right track and it really goes back to 2012 with the new cba the cam newton rookie year yeah, once we we, yeah. Shut, yeah once we started to shut down all of the the you know otas mini camps it, padded practices we're seeing slow out the gate preseason slow out the gate regular season a lot more injuries than we ever remember uh growing up yeah that coupled with all of the new training techniques everybody's overtraining their bodies um, so we're seeing a lot more, we're seeing more Achilles tears than we've ever seen before, more lat pulls and pec tears. Oh, so okay. all of that feels like ACL back. ACLs are down and, and like exactly. Achilles are up, you know, and everything is like how oh, we used to see one Achilles injury, a football season. That was like career ending. Now everyone's tearing their Achilles. Everyone has calf injuries. Um, and so I think it dates back to them minimizing all of the padded practices which has now led us to this point along with the preseason and all those things like that. So, yeah, to make a long story short, all of that is why we're seeing teams sputter out the gate and then week two and then subsequently week three will be more lines of what we usually see from the NFL. Well, one thing I think that's interesting too, Katie, is that um, if you – so underdogs are now 15 and 14 straight up this yeah. season. Um, only three times ever – and we got we – got, uh, two games left, right? So we got the Steelers and the Panthers as a dog. So if one of them, we, I guess both of them have to win to, to have the actual winning record versus a, uh, a 500 record. But like uh, since 1970, 82, 83, and 2003 are the only times underdogs have had a winning record through two weeks. Wow. I, well, I think what's interesting about this is we looked at this season. And by the way, the NFC is 6-0 against the AFC. Which yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, and I feel like the NFC was looked at as like the poverty conference. Yeah, well, it's what been I think a rough start for the AFC. What I think is interesting from like a bigger picture perspective too is that we sort of had this idea. It's like, all right, there's three good teams in the NFC. Yep. And then like there's this like like huge block of really good teams in the AFC. And we talked about this a little bit on the on the recap show. But like when you have Aaron Rodgers suffer an Achilles injury and go down for the season, and I don't I don't think we should buy into the idea that. 
he's going to come back for the playoffs. I don't think they're going to go to the playoffs, but no. if, if they did, I mean, I don't think he's coming back. And then you have the Chiefs who are one and one. The Chargers are zero and two. Um, the entire AFC South is one and one or worse. The Browns will see if they go to two and zero tonight. Um, but it's Bengals zero and two, right? The even the, you know the, the Bills are one and one. The Dolphins moved to two and zero, but there's been this like shift in how we look at the AFC because now there is an opening with the Rodgers injury and the Chargers and the Broncos yeah. and and sort of everybody, the Chiefs and the Bills sputtering out. It's like there's a playoff spot available for someone if that team wants to get, you know, wants to get weird and surprise some folks. And it's, it's just a little different than I think we thought the AFC was going to look. And that's very early for that, for that change to happen. It's largely the Rodgers injury, but also the Chargers struggling. Well, not, not exactly the AFC, but when you talk about a wild card spot that's open, I feel like the Rams might yeah. actually in the NFC be yeah. making the playoffs this year. And I know, Brinson, you've been very high on the Rams, and I definitely uh, was not high on the Rams. But even Nobody though- was. Yeah, we- yeah, all right, nobody was. Fine, nobody was. But I was pretty impressed by them yesterday against the 49ers. I mean, in the second half, finally, the defense figured out how to get pressure uh, on Stafford with some of those uh, blitz packages, those Fred Warner blitz packages that they threw at him. But you look at some of their new guys, like Puka, 25 receptions, the third most through two games of the season in NFL history and the most by any player in his first two career games. Like Sean McVay sneakily maybe got one of the best receivers in the draft. Uh, Rams at plus 225 to make the playoffs is a, is a good bet. I mean, they have a, they have a stretch of games. They're going to have to like play well in, but like, and Matthew Stafford threw 55 times yesterday. That's not going to, that's not sustainable. 20 targets for Puka. Um, Kieran Williams, 14 carries, 52 yards, and then six catches, 48 yards, two touchdowns. Like they've got some guys who one are going to win you fantasy leagues Two yeah. are better. Play- this is, a, this is the hallmark of the Rams that are less need. They have a bunch of stars. And when they have hit on guys in the draft that are surprising, like they've done this on defense, they've done this on offense. When they have a couple guys who complement those stars and can play really good football, they're a good football team. Um, that O-line now, impressed me, too. They got some O-line's, young guys up yeah. front. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Alex, I'm curious what uh, your thoughts on uh, on Puka and Tutu, which is, frankly, like, sounds like 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 a baby song, like a baby, <laughs> like, like a Mickey Mouse song. It's like, Puka and Tutu, Puka and Tutu. Uh, <laughs> I don't I don't know. Just, it sounds like, it sounds like, it sounds like, like, how you would, like, explain to your, like, like five-year-old what, like, what, like, poop and pee is. It's like, let's go Puka, let's go Tutu, you know, or like something like that. I, I don't know. Oh, that's well, going to get clipped on social and sent out. And you're gonna yeah. <laughs> I will say this is probably the most unexpected or interesting one-in-one yeah. one start to a season ever. Uh, certainly no shortage of interesting storylines with this Rams team. But, yeah, they look really impressive. Puka is on a record-setting uh, pace throughout his first two games of his career. I'll be very interested to see because Cooper Cup is expected back in week five if he can maintain uh, his role in the offense. Obviously, you know, Cup is going to be a target monster, but certainly with Stafford throwing the ball 40 to 50 times per game, there's room to sustain or support an additional wide receiver. You mentioned Tutu Atwell. He's playing very well as well. Uh, very well as well. To, uh, Tyler Higby has kind of been the odd man out as yeah. far as pass catchers. Uh, Van Jefferson, obviously, too, a bit, but yeah, Tutu and Puka have been uh, really phenomenal. I'm really interested in that backfield, too. Looks yeah. like the Rams have their feature RB1, Kieran Williams. Cam Akers, a healthy scratch. I don't think many people expected that after the great uh, finish to last year's season. Looked to be finally over that uh, brutal lower leg injury. 
Now he's potentially going to be on another team, which is fascinating. Uh, Kieran Williams looks to be a very good running back and certainly going to be a big-time fantasy producer and uh, have some interesting props as well, being that feature RB. He can catch a lot of passes. So the, the Rams have not run the ball very efficiently. Yeah. Which is fine. It doesn't really fit with what – and, and you know, they had two division – by the way, two division games out of the gate for the Rams. And, and to go one-on-one, one, I think the Niners just sort of have their number – I really think that the Rams are a great like I just I mean look I test with Matthew Stafford. I no one no one stands for Stafford harder than I do. But you watch <laughs> this guy, well, you watch him play right now and he's playing like he played in 2020 and it looks like la- like people are like well he's just dead, you know, so he's over. It's last year he's he's finished. He was hurt last year and I think that the eye test backs it up. I think the stats back it up as well. He's being way more efficient. Still going to throw some picks. That's just what he does. But um it feels like they're pass protecting really well and this offense especially when they get Cooper Cup back, can, if Stafford can stay healthy, it can be good enough to get them uh, to, to the playoffs. So, I mean, I, I think, I, yeah, yeah, good for it, yeah. Uh, um, before we get move on, scout report I had on Puka Nakua, I'm oh. reading it right now, tremendous hand-eye coordination, able to virtually catch any pass thrown his way, combined with his athleticism and his ability to, to let his feet die on the sideline, there's not a pass he can't come up with, versatile option, they can play any position, outside of a quarterback now the issue with him was the first day of the senior bowl he had probably the best catch of the senior bowl practice week problem was he hit his head on the you know when he went down on the ground and he knocked himself out but so he has missed some time with injury so he, that's something to be worried about and i look at my scout report on Kyrie williams he's my number four running back in last year's draft class fantastic all-around football player top tier vision and footwork both are consistently in unison his feet Helps him step out of many tackles, and we saw that play out perfectly in the short yardage goal line situation. So, to your point, Will, this is why you're able to then trade uh, first round picks for God knows whoever you need, right? Because you're nailing the back end of the draft. So, you hit it dead on because they are, if you're able to do that, you're getting cheap, outstanding labor. I hate to use that term, but it's, it's so true. That's why the Rams yeah. are able to stay competitive uh, with that young team. Yeah, round five, pick 177. I'd be curious to see, and I'm sure we can get someone to pull this up, what his offensive rookie of the year um, odds are. Because, again, he's he's having a record-breaking year already. And it will be interesting, to your point, Prop Stars, how it looks uh, when Cooper Cup comes back. I believe he had 15 receptions. Um, and so you got to think he's going to cut into that target share. But maybe this is like a sneaky pick for offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, certainly so far through the first two weeks, he's definitely have the strongest claims so far. Uh, and yeah, if the Rams are going to throw the ball 40 plus times, they can certainly sustain another wide receiver. Uh, we saw it previous to Cooper Cup. So uh, yeah, I'm very interested to see when Cooper Cup comes. Oh, wow, he's two, 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 out. I, yeah, uh, he's yeah, yeah, he's, he's well, he's all the way at plus 650. He didn't start that way. No way. I no, wonder. no, he's probably like, I mean, I did like three tiers of sleeper, like different sleeper level offensive rookie of the year picks, and Puka wasn't on that list. I didn't even see him listed, yeah, yeah. Granted, that was because Cooper Cup wasn't hurt, but I, I think what's interesting about this list, too, you see two quarterbacks up there, and that's it. Anthony yeah. Richardson's climbed up because yeah. he's played well, but he's dealing with a concussion, yep. And CJ Stroud is the, like the next one at 15 to 1. No Bryce Young. That could change if, if he plays really well on Monday night. But it's the quarterbacks, the three quarterbacks that we thought would be in the mix for rookie of the year, even if they just played well, have not looked incredible through the first two weeks. Anthony Richardson, I think, has been uh, – obviously, the odds back this up – the best by far. But, like, yeah. he also – you know, I mean, two injuries already is a problem. I think Zay Flowers at 14-1 to 1 is still very much a, a, a reasonable bet there um, because – 
he's looked awesome in this in this Ravens offense. And I think Baltimore really hasn't gotten going the way that they can get going. They're still two and other stacking wins. I think the Ravens we could see as a team that that kind of like gets this Todd Munkins thing figured out. Everyone gets on the same page and they really start to explode offensively. And they will get Keaton uh, Mitchell back uh, soon in, in the backfield, which adds that level of explosiveness that they don't have right now. Yeah. With no J.K. Dobbins and, uh, you know, Dobbin, just- Dobbins also an Achilles tear. Right. You know, and Justice Hill running to the back of every lineman he could find, you know, what I'm saying? before he bounces and gets upfield. So they need that explosive. They'll get better as the season goes on. Yep. Um, OK. Should we take a break. Yeah, let's take, take a, break. a break. All right. Tell you what, let's take a break. When we come back, we will look at some poor sucker who bet a large amount of money on oh. the Bears and why yeah. this was. A poor decision, but first, Sunday, it's week three, and the NFL and CBS features the next chapter in the AFC East rivalry between the Patriots and the Jets, or the Broncos taking on the Dolphins. You hope it's the latter. Give set for kickoff beginning at noon Eastern with JB and the guys on the NFL today. All hail Sunday. The NFL is on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Who lost their wallet on Justin Fields? We'll tell you next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, before we get to some of the uh, important news surrounding these these games in week three or, or in actually in, in looking at the Monday football games, uh, Harry, let's toss up the uh, – oh. hey, Somebody at BetMGM. It wasn't me. <laughs> yeah, I, I can confirm it was all not me that put $90,000 on the Bears' money line against the Buccaneers. At plus one twenty, as a dog too. At plus one twenty, you're going to risk ninety thousand dollars. Yeah, okay. maybe we don't, money laundering. Maybe we don't have the graphic. But yeah. Anyway, somebody, somebody, yikes! Better the week. Somebody tossed ninety thousand dollars on the Bears money line. Uh, the Bears lost to Baker Mayfield. So maybe, <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe, maybe don't do that. Um, Question for you though, actually, Emery, about this. Like one, yes, don't do that. That was a bad bet, but. What do you think of the Bucs so far? Because we had said on the show multiple times that the Bucs could have the worst record in the NFL behind the Cardinals. Both of those teams look better than we thought they would. They're now up 2-0. It's the first time Baker Mayfield has been up 2-0 in his career. Are these Bucks for real, or is it just that the Vikings beat themselves and then it was the Bears? That's a good question. I'd probably say it's a little bit of, you know, in, in between. Um, because the Bears had a chance in that game, too. They jumped out to an early lead, and – we saw them have some success moving the ball down the field before they start to like really shoot themselves in the foot. But you have to win those type of games if you're Tampa Bay. So we can't really knock them for winning who's beating who's on the schedule. So it's a little bit of both. Like they could be bad, but they also could be this year's version of the Vikings or this year's version of the Giants, right? Especially yeah. in the NFC where you're probably going to have that wide open seventh seed that's still up for grabs. Uh, grab. So I feel like 
as long as Bayer can play like he did so far, mm-hmm. um, and they find a run game somehow, a consistent run game, not on one week, off one week, I feel like the defense has shown it can be stable, but they just need an offense to also be stable. Uh, they're, they're a huge dog next week against the uh, the Eagles at home. Alex, I'm curious, uh, anything you see in like the trends with with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin? Because I mean, yeah. we just nobody knew what was going to happen with Baker. He he is a little more aggressive downfield, which I mean, obviously Mike Evans 171 receiving yards last uh, this past week. Um, feels like he's maybe the more preferred receiver to uh, to Chris Godwin this year. Yeah, yeah, I think he's a lot more comfortable throwing to Mike Evans. If you guys recall, that was a play I actually gave out. Uh, for our week two pick. So that was certainly a welcome. That's called a, that's called so a setup. Yeah, that's called <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Will. Thank you, Will. But yeah, uh, looks very comfortable throwing to Mike Evans. I still think there's room for both of those guys. It's a very condensed uh, target distribution. It's pretty much Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and then a bunch of secondary and tertiary options. Cade Otten, interestingly enough, is running a route on every single Baker Mayfield drop back. He has 100% route participation, playing 100% of the snaps. It just hasn't uh, equated into any stats yet, but certainly something to pay attention to. But I think it's going to continue to be the Baker to Mike Evans with uh, Godwin kind of playing a secondary role in that offense. What's, is it, what's been his um, – I'm just trying to look to see what, what kind of targets Otten's getting because I'm wondering – he's got nine – eight catches on nine targets, so he's been efficient. Um, 7.5 yards per catch, which, so he's not, he's not exactly like running deep routes. Might be a good – you know, if, you, if you're dealing with like a tight end injury in fantasy – uh, maybe maybe a good look, or if like you get uh, Bucks Monday night first touchdown catch, mm? little uh, little Kate oh, Otten probably getting like twenty five to one maybe first touchdown score. Don't hate you can that certainly idea. do worse. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, all right, let's uh, let's move on to games that we're monitoring. Obviously, we will talk about that uh, one as well. Uh, for week three, probably the biggest line movement that we've seen: Rams at Bengals. Right now, it's Bengals minus two and a half, but it was six and a half. So we've seen a full swing here due to the Joe Burrow injury. Of course, he re-aggravated his calf there. Emery, any early thoughts on this game? It it appears that Joe Burrow is not going to play. Well, that's the thing with with Burrow and the reason why I took the Ravens last week on the money line was due to the fact that until we see Burrow be healthy and be Burrow when he's able to get outside the pocket, evade fresh and all those things that makes you like Burrow, is going to be tough. He's playing with one hand be t- tied behind his back, essentially. So this is a tough game to call. I would stay away from it mm-hmm. um, because we don't know which type of offense we're going to get from the Bengals. On paper, yeah, the Bengals should beat the Rams. But until we know what's going to happen with Burrow and until we know which defense will decide to show up, because they also couldn't stop the run yesterday as well, Rams could easily run this ball against them. So I would stay away from this one completely. So I'm going to go the opposite way. And um, by, by the way, like I'm trying to find the um, just sort of like the, the market for. It's not like, like Joe Burrow has been that great in, in the past. No, 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 yeah. well, no. But I mean, like I thought so I thought Burrow started looking pretty sharp in once they sort of had to run the hurry up stuff um, yeah. when they got down two scores and he was sort of slinging it around. And that's when I think he got hurt on a touchdown pass. Am I wrong? I think he threw Did he throw it? He, he threw he threw the end zone. I thought it was a touchdown to T. Higgins. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but anyway, you saw him pull up, reaggravated the calf. There's a lot of buzz. I think Adam Schefter said it's 50-50 on whether he plays. This line has moved four points. The totals dropped down significantly. Um, I think the Rams can win this game anyway. And yeah. I think if Joe Burrow is ruled out, and I don't think we'll have any idea if Joe Burrow is going to play until we get to, you know, Maybe even Monday, but certainly, you know, they won't, their final injury report won't come in until Sunday or Saturday. 
Um, and then you'll have reports about, you know, Sunday morning on the, on the pregame shows, there'll be lots of like, you know, what's going to happen with Burrow. Um, I would, I would take the Rams now. I think that the Rams plus two and a half, you would love to get three. There's a, there's a bunch of one and a halfs out there. It is, it's moving like crazy. Um, I see there's a bunch of ones out there. Uh, I see a four out there, which is, well, it's minus 188. So you probably don't want to bet that. I will say there was the trend last year and it's too soon to tell if this carries on, but most teams, except for the Kansas city chiefs, the week after playing the 49ers, a very physical defense lost Mm. all of their following games. Now I would, I felt like at least for the first half of the game, uh, the the Rams weren't getting beat up by the 49ers defense at all. So maybe that doesn't play into it, but just something to consider. So my theory on the on the yeah, and my theory on the the Burrow the, the, taking the Rams now is let's say Burrow plays like and this this line going to two and a half is the books hedging, saying we don't know if Burrow's going to play. It'd be like it was, you know again it was six and a half, but like I think if Burrow plays, the line closes at like four at the most. Because the Bengals haven't looked good and the Rams have looked good. The liquorhead doesn't factor in how well the Rams have played. And if Burrow doesn't play, the Rams are going to be favored by two or three. Like, I mean, if it's if it's Jake Browning against Aaron Donald, <laughs> look out, pal. Well, what were you what did you have there, Alex? Just gonna say I have a lot more confidence in this Rams team, either than yeah. if Burrow does end up suiting up. I think you kind of throw out what's happened historically if we're looking at just this season. Uh, this Rams team has certainly played better so far. One interesting thing is uh, uh, Jamar Chase was the favorite to win Offensive Player of the Year at the start of the season. Uh, two huge duds for him back to back. Super fascinating, especially if he goes another week without Joe Burrow. Really interested to see uh, when his production is going to pick up. So certainly a little concerning start for Jamar Chase. Absolutely. Um, Niners playing on Thursday night. You see Chris McCaffrey now 650 uh, to be offensive player of the year. Jamar Chase 29 to one. I would wait and see if Burrow's playing before I take that chase number. But like, yeah. remember Jamar Chase was basically dead in the water for offensive rookie of the year and went ballistic late in the year. So yeah. you get, I mean, yeah, he's, he's probably worth a stab later on, depending on what happens with Burrow. Um, Niners open up minus nine and a half for Thursday night against the giants. Your Niners did Katie. Yep. Um, I, it's already up to 10 and a half. It totals 45 and a half. I don't think it's high enough. I think that the Niners, Emery, are an absolute unit and maybe the best team in football. The only question we have with this team was, is Brock Purdy, uh, is, can Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy be the answer at quarterback? And I think he has put any uh, concerns and questions to rest. And the Giants needed a franchise record comeback to beat the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> down like, they're down 20 to nothing or down, and they, the Cardinals put up 28. The Niners are going to beat this, beat the brakes off the Giants on a short week at home with no Saquon Barkley too. So yeah, that that's you take away ninety eight percent of that comeback, and, and credit to Daniel Jones because he did play well in that comeback. It also makes you wonder: was it Brian Daybo calling the plays, or was it still Mike Kafka? I know he answered that question post game, saying that it was still Mike Kafka calling the game, but hmm. something clearly changed after halftime because Giants' offense started to really find success and move the football and push it vertically down the field. All of that being said, this offensive line may get Andrew Thomas back or they may not. Either way, someone on this show told y'all that this game was going to be interesting because of this defensive matchup. You did. You called it. Cardinals. It's going to – I struggle to find points for the Giants in this game. I I really think we may see a shutout here again. Um, 
And you're right, 10 and a half is not not big enough, you know. And also, like, just why was Christian McCaffrey's number so small in the preseason in terms of his rushing yardage total? Yeah, like, what that happened? was ridiculous. It, it, it yeah. was under 900. It's so, a joke. I mean, he's going to be there by week seven. Exactly. So uh, he might beat it, you know, based might on, beat it on Thursday. So, yeah, this this ladies points and take the under because yeah, yeah. I don't see the Giants scoring less. And if they really get blown out, then I'll look like a fool. But I could see this one being, you know, 35 to three and we cover the under and we also cash. I love everything that you guys are saying. And maybe just because I'm a pessimistic, you know, Niners fan, I still think that 10 and a half points or 10 points, whatever it it ends. Yes. I agree with you that theoretically it's not enough points, but for a primetime game, double digit favorites, it just kind of freaks me out a little bit. I mean, I think you keep right. At least me, I keep riding the Niners team total over it's hit in the last two weeks. They've scored at least 30 points in the last two weeks. I think they could do it again against the giants. Like for the Niners to get to over 27 and a half, which is what I believe it is this Thursday night. Like I'll hammer that all day long, even though I feel like the Niners can do this. I'm still not going to lay the 10, the 10 points. It's just too much for me. What do you think? So the, well, so uh, I was just going to say briefly too, like the Cowboys average and Alex, this may, you may be looking at Christian McCaffrey stuff for, for Thursday night, but like, like, I mean, Terry Pollard averaged five yards per carry, and like he only had 14 carries in week one because they were up 40 to nothing, and and the you know the, the offense, the defense was doing everything. And then James friggin' Connor, who is not like maybe older than I am, I mean ran ran for 123 yards against this Giants defense. The the Niners are going to obliterate them on the ground. I'm in full agreement. Uh, this was the first game that Christian McCaffrey played 100% of the offensive snaps since 2019. Wow. So certainly a welcome sight there. Obviously, he's had durability issues uh, throughout his career. I think this is a potential spot uh, for Elijah Mitchell to get some work, especially mm-hmm. with the Niners being significant favorites on a short week, not a spot you would want to really risk C-Mac where they're going to pretty much win the game, I think, uh, handily going away. So I think this is a spot. Elijah Mitchell had zero touches, obviously, yesterday. Uh, I think he could get some work in this matchup. So, yeah, I like the Niners to roll on this Giants team. Just not a lot of confidence without Saquon Barkley. Seeing this Giants defense that they really revamped in the offseason, spent a lot of money. Uh, certainly did. Joshua Dobbs was just slinging on them, uh, running all over them as well with James Conner. This Cardinals offense scoring 28 points versus the Giants defense uh, was pretty shocking to me. So just not a lot of confidence in this New York football team right now. What do you think, um, Prop Stars? Because obviously Saquon Barkley is the biggest injury to talk about in this game. But we saw Ayuk uh, looked pretty injured through a lot of that games. Is it is this someone that maybe you're not going to look at for the following week? Debo was slow to get up on a couple of things. He had a monster game against the Rams. Are there any 49ers props that maybe you're looking to shy away from? Yeah, it was interesting. Ayuk, uh, unfortunately, was a little bit of a... a um a regression candidate coming into the week i did like him a lot obviously i picked him as a prop but yeah seeing debo receive the line share of the targets there uh, i think the, the 49ers on a short week are really just going to emphasize getting in getting out running the ball quite a bit that's why i think elijah mitchell is going to be more involved in this game plan uh, i just don't think they're going to really need to open up the offense to beat this giants team without saquon 
All right, so let's move on to one of the games um, that has a will probably lean more one way or the other based on how tonight goes. But the Saints at the Packers, uh, Packers laying one and a half. So pretty close to a pick here. The line opened at two total 43 and a half down one point from 44 and a half. Saints, of course, play tonight for Monday uh, night football. So we may see some line movement here. But Emery. You were pretty big on Jordan Love coming into this season. I think he's been very impressive so far. What are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, this to me is about whether or not you could trust Derek Carr versus pressure. And we'll see some of that tonight and how much pressure the Panthers can get on him. But I feel like the Packers will be able to get to um, uh, Derek Carr. And I don't also trust the Saints run game until Alvin Kamara comes back. So this is a one-dimensional type of approach. This is a game that the Packers should be able to win. And even though I don't have a uh, a play on this, I would lean um, Packers, you know, laying these points. And also I would definitely trust that under too, because you have a very good Saints defense. Uh, you have a capable Packers defense going up against a, what I just outlined, a one-dimensional Saints offense. So I, I kind of like the under, but I, lo- I love the Packers to win this one, regardless of what happens tonight. Unless America's quarterback gets in the game and then and starts next week. Jameis? Yeah, then then you yeah. have to remember, you all bets are off once Jameis gets in the game. That's right. <laughs> I, mean, I think I think the Derek Carr look, and everyone knows how I feel about Derek Carr. Um, okay, I, yeah, he's been terrible in primetime. He's not good against pressure. Um, you probably has familial uh, PTSD from when his brother played for the Panthers way back in the day, aka Mr. Mittens. He wore these dainty little white gloves and played quarterback for the Panthers. <laughs> um, I think for this game. What, what, what I'm really watching is, you know, the, um, the, the, the Saints like only gave up 15 points to the Titans, but they only scored 16, right? I mean, like, is the Saints offense good? Or like, we don't know. We, we're, you know, we're still just one week of results with the Saints. Like, I, I don't think we know anything about them. Is their defense really good? Or is it like, cause, cause we're not sure if the Titans offense is good. Is the, are the Saints, is the Saints offense bad? Cause we're not sure if the Titans defense is any good. And so I think this will be a very interesting litmus test going on the road in primetime against a rookie quarterback. If the, and you could spin this forward to the Panthers and Seahawks game too. Like I would, I would take the points of the Packers now because I think the, I, I think the Panthers are going to beat the saints. Ooh. Personally. Um, do. Yeah. I, I just, I don't think the saints are that great. And I think, but I the think Panthers are, uh, I think defensively they'll get going against, against Derek Carr. He, he just struggles in primetime and, like so, I, I think I would, I would think I would get the one and a half of the Packers now if I if I was betting anything on that game. Now, conversely, if the Panthers stink, uh, that Seahawks line is four and a half. It will shoot up very very quickly. Um, if, if Bryce Young is bad, if he throws two bad picks again, and and the and the, and the Panthers are, are struggle on offense and struggle to protect and pass protection, uh, with the Seahawks likely getting healthier and the Panthers on a short week going out west, like I see, think you could see a total opposite line movement there. But that's the thing about, I mean, we don't have to talk about tonight's game. Obviously, it's happening pretty soon. But this Saints defense is pretty stingy. And then you look I at think. the picks. All right, fair. No, no, I mean, like, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, I, I, don't, I mean, like, I agree, I think. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, like, I just don't think we know anything about the Saints right now or really even the Panthers. And so if you are leaning towards the Packers or the Seahawks, I think in that particular, before tonight's game, before Monday night's game, you would want to bet make those bets now versus – um, waiting because I think you know if if either the Saints or Panthers struggle or there's a low scoring bad offense game, you could easily see uh, a situation where um, those lines get a little bit bigger. I got a question, Prop Stars. Uh, 
because I already put this bet in, so I didn't need oh. some um some some assurance. Uh, <laughs> or not? <laughs> right. Uh, is it Chris Olave related? <laughs> oh, it's never it's never Saints offense related. Is <laughs> do you think uh, Bryce Young throws over one hundred and eighty eight yards? Oh, for tonight? Yeah. I do think he throws over 188 yards. Yeah. Uh, I think he throws an interception too. Yeah. It might be ugly. It might require some like fourth quarter garbage time, but I think over 188 yards uh, against the saints is a fair, fair price. Do you like the over there, Henry? Oh, definitely. Because uh, obviously everyone looks at last week and it was like 182 on 32 attempts, but I feel like you're going to get better. And 188 is not, that's a college number. You know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? Like you got to at least throw, 200 yards in the NFL. So I would agree. Also, getting DJ Chark back, I think, will help take some pressure off having some speed at outside receiver. Really didn't see that in week one with Adam Thielen, mm-hmm. really can't separate at this point in his career. So I think just having Chark on the field, even if he doesn't make a lot of big plays, will open up the offense. Uh, so yeah, I definitely think, uh, especially looking at the Saints back end as well, they have good safeties, but corner, uh, I think they can give up some production there. So yeah, I like them to go north of 200 for sure. All right, we are going to take a quick break here, but we'll take a look at some more week three leans when we come back. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So the Denver Broncos are 0-2. Yeah. Mm. People are, uh, I know our graphics department, we flashed something last night on the on the recap show noting that Nathaniel Hackett was one and one. F around and find out, Sean Payton. And I, I love Sean Payton. I thought Russell Wilson looked a lot better. Um, there, we go. there we go. Look at that. Look at the production work here. That's a tough, <laughs> tough scene for, for Sean Payton there. Um, uh, I thought Russ looked a lot better. in the, He looked really good in the first half. He's like 19.3 yards per attempt, throwing accurately down the field. A very good sign if you hope that the Broncos offense can get going. But they still, you know, gave up a bajillion second half points to Sam Howell and the commanders. And you, know, you give up 37 in overtime. To, to And I think Washington's a good team, but you just can't do that. Um, they head to Miami. The Dolphins are minus seven here with a total of 47. Um, Alex, you're curious, like, any thoughts on Russ, this offense, I mean, I think I would lean towards the over here. Okay, that lines up to 48 and a half, down yeah. to six and a half on FanDuel. Um, that's a lot of points. 
Feels like these two teams might get involved in a shootout, maybe? Yeah, I think there's some shootout potential here for sure. I actually thought this, uh, this Denver defense coming into the season was going to be potentially the strength of the football team. Hasn't been the case through two weeks. So certainly I'm in agreement here, Brinson. I think this has some shootout potential. I was encouraged by Russ. You mentioned he was throwing the ball effectively down the field, just something we haven't seen since he's joined this Broncos team. Saw the big game from the rookie Mims. Did that on only 16 snaps. So it'll be interesting to see if he plays more in week three. Uh, we obviously know this Dolphins offense, one of the more pass-happy uh, teams in the NFL, having those two great speedy wide receivers on the outside. So, yeah, this certainly looks like a spot where there could be a lot of yards, especially between the 20s. So I think this will present a lot of potential uh, prop opportunities as well. Uh, but also should note Vic Fangio revenge game here. Ooh. I mean, they fired him for Nathaniel Hackett. Like, I mean, he he's an old crotchety man. He is not going to be – he's going to uncork some defensive stuff on Russell Wilson, is my, I guarantee you. No, and I think that the Dolphins' defense has done pretty good. Uh, Emery, question, though, is is the Dolphins the most potent offense in the NFL after two weeks? I would, I would hate to play defense against the Miami Dolphins because you don't have enough fast people. You may have one dude on your defense that, that's fast, but they got five. It's like, yeah. man, like – we can't roll covers to one side because this other dude is runs a four five while their guys run four two, four three, four two, four two eight, and are Olympic or Olympic sprinters. So it's impossible. What worries me about this game, I think this has the potential to be the dumb game of the week. And we kind of saw glimpses of it uh from two separate teams. Russ wasn't the same in the second half after he got hit in the head when he fumbled. You didn't even see him go after the fumble or whatnot. I think something was wrong there. And how many snaps will two have fumble? under center like what is going on with that like balls hitting him in the hands and he's just dropping snaps losing possessions you saw him have the weird where his ankles kind of got turned when he dropped back this game could be something completely dumb I, I will definitely stay away from it but to your point in question Katie it's hard to play defense against Olin this is what Al Davis had in mind when he was making all those picks with speed trying yeah. to put so much speed everywhere um this is what it creates a problem yeah, uh, well, Tim Hasselbeck had a great breakdown of, of uh, a set of three plays on SVP Sports Center last night where they basically lined up Tyreek Hill like kind of underneath the left tackle, like sort of just like an offset tight end sort of role and did this sort of loop, like half loop motion through. And then Tua, Tua's getting the ball out so fast because they don't want him to get hit. And he gets the ball out to Tyreek really quickly. They run the same thing later that drive. If this is a quintessential Shanahan, McDaniel, you know, run a play to set up another play. The defense floods to Tyreek, and they drop it off to this tunnel screen for Jalen Waddle. He shoots right at the middle, could have gone to the house. Um, and then they get down by the goal line, and they run the same thing, and it sets up Tyreek on this little route against Kyle Duggar, and he just catches a quick short touchdown. It's, it's I mean, Mike Lee Daniels in his bag. He's a great coach, and he's, it's tough to defend. What they're doing is playing CFL ball in the NFL with all those uh, orbit motions, kind of yeah. not running toward the line of scrimmage. But if you sprint out, past uh you know on that little quick motion the little short quick motion the exit motion they call it that's essentially like the forward motion the cfl like damn i better bust my butt to get over there otherwise i'm gonna lose this track meet well you'll lose it anyway um but now you just vacated this whole space for these other guys that also are very doggone fast so it's it's impossible to cover in the cfl and it's impossible to cover the miami dolphins because of all that speed well, you know who knows that better than anyone else is the Patriots, who just lost mm -hmm. to the Dolphins last night. They are three-point favorites over the Jets. 
Uh, Zach Wilson is just owned by the Patriots. Zero and four straight up against the Pats. Two touchdowns and seven interceptions. No big surprise that the uh, the Jets are using a little running back committee. 35% Dalvin Cook, 33% Brees Hall. Pats wide receiver usage, Kendrick Bourne, 51%. Uh, absolutely love to see that for Bourne. Why are you leaning Jets money line here, Emery, is what I'd like to know. Jets have more explosiveness on both sides of the ball than the Patriots. The Jets also have the more athletic quarterback in Zach Wilson. So it's not saying much, but yes. <laughs> right. So, but if, if, if Bill Belichick, low. <laughs> if Bill Belichick, least gonna, athletic guy on podcast, like, I mean, <laughs> if Bill Belichick is going to send pressure. Okay, Zach Wilson can get himself out of a jam, scramble, you know, keep the play alive. Uh, Matt uh, Mac Jones is dead on arrival. Like, there's, there's no, he's going to eat so many sacks against yeah. this team. This game will be, I would also take the under. Yeah, this game absolutely. Will be so under. low scoring, and it'll be a defensive game. And we've seen the Jets when they decide that, hey, we're going to lean in on a run game. And again, they had, I, I took the Jets plus nine and a half against the Cowboys. And my reasoning was, Jets defense, run game. Giants had some success early running the ball against the Cowboys. They should have some success. They kind of did. The, the way, when that game got out of hand was the fumble that Delvin Cook got stripped from because you saw the Jets were able to have some success and move the ball. Once he got stripped and, and they went up you know, double-digit points, it was over. The bottom fell out. Yeah. I think this game would be a lot closer that, to where I can trust in a defensive spot I can't trust Mac Jones and I can't trust no one on a, on a perimeter against their secondary. This yeah. is a bad matchup for new England. So I think we'll see run game and defense win the game for the jets. I like them over the Patriots. See, I, I'm, I'm, I'm on the Patriots here and I, I want them. I don't think it's going to get up much further past three. I also agree with the under the, the logic here for me is this is a must win game for bill Belichick against a team that he is obliterate oh. a team. He hates more than any, probably anything else in the world. Like, I'm not sure there's anything Bill Belichick hates more than the New York Jets. Um, you know, obviously, they resigned with the cocktail napkin. We all know that. He loves to beat the Jets. He has to go win when they've had a bad, when they've had a questionable quarterback, whether it's like a young, young quarterback prone to make mistakes. He has absolutely dominated them. And I think what he's going to do is look at this game and say, I'm, we are not going to beat ourselves offensively. I like, I'm not even, not even like, we're gonna. I'm gonna tell you not to make mistakes. I'm not gonna allow anyone to make mistakes. We are going to run the ball 40 times. Mac is gonna make some to make plays where he has to, and we are just gonna throw some junk at Zach Wilson, and 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 we're just gonna sit back and and play and be patient, and we'll find points where we find them. But we are going to let Zach Wilson make a mistake, and I don't think the Jets can completely hide him if the Pats sell out to stop the run. So I like Pats in the under here. Prop stars. What about? props that you are eyeing for this interesting to look at the RB usage 35% Dalvin cook 33 Brees hall. And then you've got Kendrick Bourne with this 51% for the Pats. Obviously the secondary for the jets is pretty locked down. Although the Cowboys uh, had their way a little bit. Um, what are you looking at in terms of props? Whew, points are going to be hard to come by in this matchup. Uh, I agree with Emery regarding the Jets having the advantage from a speed perspective and explosiveness perspective. Certainly when we're talking about Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson, this Patriots team is so slow. They cannot run the football whatsoever. I agree, Brinson, they want to run the football, but that offensive line is just opening up uh, zero lanes for Ramondre Stevenson and Ezekiel Elliott. It was painful to watch New England try to establish the run. As a result, we're seeing 
seeing Mac Jones attempt 40, 45 passes, which you know New England does not want to do. That plays right into uh, the Jets' very strong secondary. So I think they want to run the football. I just don't think they can effectively. And as a result, you're going to have to see or rely more and more on Mac Jones to air it out. And he just has really no uh, viable options at receiver. Uh, Hunter Henry, I think, is uh, probably his most consistent, reliable target there. But yeah, I just think this Jets team, uh, like Emery mentioned, is a lot more explosive, more talented offensively. I do agree the coaching edge uh, I would give to Bill Belichick from the schematic <laughs> component as well. Sure. <laughs> well. Maybe not back to this first few weeks, but uh, yeah, I just think Brees Hall is going to be more involved. Uh, I think he looked very good, even though I'm, not yesterday, but in week one, I still think he has. Uh, he's close to returning to injury, I think he could have a big performance in this matchup. So I personally side a little closer with the Jets. This game may be 12-9. Yeah, twelve. sure. 12, I mean, I, I like the under a lot more. Like, I, I had the under listed on our rundown, just talking about, like, you know, um, like look-ahead spots. But it's like, I'm not sure how much you can come down. You know, like, it's 37 and a half. Like, I mean, I guess it could close at 36. I, I mean, I would. I, it's not going to go up. And Belichick ain't going to try and score. Like, he's not going to be aggressive with this offense. And I think the Jets will probably do something similar where they will – there's going to be a lot of runs and a lot of punts. And if it goes over, it's because of some fluky stuff, like a pick – like like two or three pick sixes by the Patriots or or, or even the Jets. Uh, potentially, Sauce Gardner had one he should have gotten and uh, screwed up on it. All right, Falcons and Lions. Really fascinating game. Two teams. Um, the Lions, of course, now one and one after losing it over time to the Seahawks. Falcons two and O pretty huge game for Detroit. Just cause we talked about it. If you go beat the chiefs, how do you respond at home with those two games? Uh, the Lions are minus four here, open minus four and a half. The total has come down a uh, full point from 46 and a half to 45 and a half. Actually lions down to minus three and a half. Um, I mean, I was going to say, obviously that I have an early lean to the Falcons here. I think both of these teams all year long and for different reasons, are going to play a lot of games that are inside a single score. Um, the Lions' defense has gotten better, for sure. And we saw it against the Chiefs, but maybe the Chiefs just haven't really gotten going on offense. Um, I, you know, the Seahawks were able to move the ball pretty effectively. Atlanta has it, – it's Atlanta doesn't want to, like, try and score, but or, like, but like can if they need to. I, I just think you're not going to see the Falcons or the Lions play a ton of games that end up in blowouts. And so if I'm getting more than a field goal with one of these teams, like if it were flipped and it's Detroit and Atlanta, Detroit's getting three and a half, give me the Lions. But I think this game should, I mean, it should just probably be three because of the home field advantage. Uh, probably lean towards the over here as well. Uh, this is a really fascinating matchup to me. Uh, one thing we saw yesterday, I don't think it's getting enough attention, is the Falcons played from behind. They actually looked okay doing so. Uh, they still ran the football, but we saw Desmond Ritter open it up a little bit, throw the ball down the field, and he was fairly effective uh, against a pretty good Packer secondary as well, I might add. So that was impressive. Also, we finally saw Bijan, not finally, but week two, we saw what we I expected week one, which was Bijan had 72% of the snaps in that backfield. Uh, Tyler Algier had that big week one performance. Bijan led all running backs in rushing yards. I do want to mention that I gave that out at 30 to one odds uh, yesterday. So that cash for me. Thank you very much. But uh, yeah, very impressive performance from Bijan. I expect him to continue uh, to have close to a 70% uh, uh, 
snap share in that uh, Falcons offense, which runs the ball very effectively. Then we're looking at this Detroit Lions running uh, back. David Montgomery is injured, appears to be a multi-week injury. Uh, Very frustrating. Uh, I was very high coming into the week on Jameer Gibbs. His usage continues to be puzzling, in my opinion. You you draft this guy in the top 10, supposedly build your offense around him, but he's – only having six six rushing attempts uh, by the time the fourth quarter around before uh, Montgomery checked out of the game. I think that's unacceptable. I really think the Lions need to figure out how to get the ball in Gibbs' hand. They basically were just throwing him screen passes five yards uh, from the line of scrimmage. Not nine, very clean nine targets. Nine targets, but they were all really close to the line of scrimmage, Princeton. So uh, the targets are encouraging. The usage, though, or the creativity I thought was lacking there. Uh, I really want to see him be the focal point of this offense, especially with Montgomery on the shelf. Uh, we saw a lot of Reynolds at running back, Craig Reynolds, I believe, uh, even after Montgomery checked out of the game. So, yeah, I think Jameer Gibbs needs to have a minimum of 12 to 15 carries in this game, plus five to seven targets. Uh, kind of do what Atlanta did in week two, figured out that Bijan is the cornerstone of that offense, give him the lion's share of the touches. What happened? Huge performance from Bijan. Jean played a big role, obviously, in Atlanta having success. So I uh, need to see that from Detroit. Emory, I'm curious. Um, I think you, do you have anything against the spread here? And also, um, do you think it's a pass blocking thing for Jameer Gibbs where they're just worried about him and pass pro with back there? I, I haven't, wa- haven't gone back and watched. I'm not 100% sure. I just didn't know if you'd spot anything there. That, that's what that's always what the coaches will say. Hey, you know, we, we don't trust him in pass pro. I got an idea. How about we don't ask him to pass block? You know what I'm How about that, right? How about we call scat protection and you just send them out? Either you're going to stop blitzing or you can cover this explosive back in the flat. That's the best way to neutralize the blitz. I love this game, by the way. I'm taking the Falcons because, firstly, because the Falcons have the better defense. They have yep. pass rush. And the Lions lost James Houston. They're, they're, they really struggle to get pressure on a quarterback. And coaches are, are just phenomenal beings because with uh, B. John Robinson going over 120 yards rushing, and it still felt like he didn't get the ball enough. So it's like, man, if he's doing this, how about how about we keep giving him the football, right? right? Then you don't have David Montgomery. It's like, you know what? This is the perfect opportunity to give my highly selected first-round pick the ball, even more so that's a game-changer. So this game, to me, indoors, is going to feel a lot like that 1990 or 1989 Bo Jackson versus Barry Sanders. <laughs> Raiders Lions game where both backs go over 100 yards. They're they're challenging one another. Oh, you have an 80 yard run. Here's my 85 yard run. So I feel like this game will be explosive plays bonanza. I do like the Falcons because their defense to me, I can trust their pass rush, and uh, it's gonna be a fun, entertaining game, especially from a running back's perspective because we get to running see- back porn. Oh, exactly. Yep. We got <laughs> right, we, and, and shout out to Craig Reynolds. I have scout report on him from Kutztown and. What he was able to do as a kickoff returner, his story is well documented. The amount of years that he spent trying to get on this roster and getting this opportunity, he's a real good uh, prospect coming from the Division II ranks. All right, guys, any other games um, that we we're looking at for leans? I'm looking at this Eagles and Bucks game. I actually kind of lean towards the under in this one. It's at 46, 45, depending on where you're finding it. And I just feel like without Shane Steichen, this Eagles offense doesn't look the same. I'm not saying they're not good and that they shouldn't be 2-0 and right now. But Jalen Hurts went from about eight yards per attempt last year, 246.7 yards per game within two games. That's dropped down to uh, 6.5 yards um, per attempt and 181 and a half through two games. I also 
just feel like this Bucks team is going to come down to earth against the uh, Eagles defense. I think it's going to be a little bit lower scoring. Obviously, the uh, Buccaneers benefited a lot from turnovers, which I don't think the Eagles are necessarily going to give them. So I'm going to lean under um, on this one. But any other games that y'all are looking at? The Cowboys game. Lay the 12 and a half points with the Cowboys. Wow. Get on that now. Large Um, spread. Yeah, listen. I'm afraid of laying double-digit favorites like that. Listen, Katie, I I do college football. It's the commonplace to lay these these big, these big, whatchamacallits. You see 30-point spreads, um, and then you feel comfortable laying them. So this one, yeah, you're right. NFL, that's disrespectful to have a double-digit point spread because that's like that's a blowout in 12 too 12 this week this week though we've got the niners 10 and a half we've got the um chiefs minus 13 and a half against the bears cowboys minus 12 and a half on the road and there's just several like seven points so there's this is just one of those weeks where there's like a bunch of big spreads underdogs have been covering a ton and now you get a matchup which i think every zion where it's like micah parsons who's on a on a tear right now. Logo. Yeah, I, I would, I would lean towards the Cowboys right now too. I, th- I don't know that, I don't know how high the spread can get. Like a fourteen point road favorite is pretty outrageous in twenty twenty three. But like, I would be nervous. I would not want to take the Cardinals. No, <laughs> no. the 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 Cowboys are are not the Giants. You know, I don't think they're going to be able to, to to put that amount of points yeah. on them. What you got, Alex? Just going to say, after watching C.D. Lamb just get open at will against that Jets secondary, I think he's got a great shot to lead the NFL in receiving yards this year. I also think he's worth a sprinkle for Offensive Player of the Year because he could have a historically good season. He looks just absolutely unguardable right now. Uh, Very impressed with that performance from C.D. Lamb. Uh, I I agree. I actually had him on my list of Offensive Player of the Year bets to make, and I think um, to your point, Two things about the Cowboys, and I, I made this, I think I noted this last night, and then I, maybe I said it on radio, but Mike McCarthy, we've seen him play call plays in, 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 in Green Bay. And when he did, almost every time you would see the targets really, really condense on an alpha receiver, whether it was Devontae yeah. Adams or Jordy Nelson or uh, even like Donald Driver, Greg Jennings. Like, and that was part Aaron Rodgers, but also you know that, that goes into the play calling. And CeeDee Lamb is an alpha. And I think it's entirely possible that Dak just locks in on CeeDee Lamb all season long. I also thought uh, Tony Pollard getting 25 carries was notable, especially in a blowout because they kept like, I think the, I I think Mike McCarthy is just going to run Tony Pollard and feed CeeDee Lamb. And so 14 to one most receiving yards as Alex knows, I think that's a really good bet. And you still get a 35 to one offensive player of the year. If he is that, if he is that alpha dog in this offense and the Cowboys are this good, he, I, I think those are I think those are absolutely good looks. I've um, the one uh, the Chargers Vikings game. If you want to see where all okay. the chalk is for DFS this week, you talk about the okay. silly game of the week. Yeah. Um, I think uh, producer Harry noted that this game. What did he describe? This is like the Trix Rabbit versus Lucky the Leprechaun. Like, who, like <laughs> which which team is going to give it away the most? Like, literally. I mean, I wouldn't bother with the. Uh, with with the point spread because it's it's live betted if you can get anything above three like on both sides <laughs> the total open fifty one and I was gonna say that like that's a silly number it's up to right. fifty four and a half Oof. that's that's so many points in an NFL game but you could not pay me to take the under in this game no oh the Vikings are, are now we, the Vi- the Chargers were minus one now the Vikings, the Vikings are minus one and a half it over too and give the Chargers all kinds of points for free 
Like, I mean, this game, could, you could see 75 points in this game. This is where all the chalk and DFS will be. Um, both teams are obviously pretty desperate. And both teams play weird, weird games. Like, I, I don't I, – I wanted to take the under over at 51, but it's just – I don't think it's there. Yeah, Alex? Yeah, from a prop standpoint, when there's matchups like this with really high totals, obviously two explosive offenses not playing a lot of defenses. I like to, and this applies to DFS as well, as I'm sure you know, Brinson, I like to find cheap pieces in this game. So obviously the stars are going to have large numbers because it's reflected in the total being so high. But yeah, finding guys kind of ancillary options uh, who are going to be involved too at a discount is kind of where I'll be looking to attack in this game. TJ Hawkins and Jordan Addison maybe like a... Guys like that, yeah, KJ Osborne, yeah, uh, Quentin Johnson potentially, or uh, Palmer, the you know third wide receiver on the Chargers. I, I had a, um, I would probably lean under uh, here because you look at the pass rushers for the Chargers. On paper, the Chargers defense should blank Minnesota, but we know garbage time Cousins will rack up somehow <laughs> 300 plus yards. Um, but I just, and on paper, the Chargers should boat race this Vikings secondary. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can I can see the Chargers winning this game, thirty to seventeen, right? Uh, with Cousins getting his his five hundred yards receiving with one touchdown, two picks, and <laughs> you know what I'm saying it, it passing, and Justin Herbert having his two hundred and twenty eight yards, six point five yards in attempt with four touchdowns. I I can see all of this happening, right? Um, with the Chargers saving graces, they, I think they can run the ball a little bit better than Minnesota. Um, but I don't know why they thought. Getting rid of Dalvin Cook was a good idea, right? And he's going to get better running the ball. Um, so I this is a this yeah, it's going to be the dumb game in the week. But I can see this one being thirty to seventeen on either side, but I will take the under, and I would probably lean toward the Chargers, not you know crap in the bed in indoor ideal conditions. <laughs> That's never a bet I want to take. Yeah. Is the Chargers <laughs> not going to crap the bed? <laughs> but this is the perfect time. opponent. To do it against. Well, yeah, because the Vikings crap the bed maybe a little bit more. No, the Chargers, uh, nobody, 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 true. nobody, that's nobody, true. nobody tutus their pants more than the Chargers. <laughs> <laughs> or is it Puka? Nobody pukas their pants more than the Chargers. Nice bowl. Nice circular. <laughs> yeah, like that. There. We started with that. We ended with that. That's dope. All right, guys. That On that note, uh, on tutuing the... Uh, the bed you go to do or puka pal <laughs> <laughs> all right all right we're leaving now okay make sure you join us all way for more nfl coverage uh, tomorrow brinson breach and wilson are joined by pete frisco to break down um or maybe break apart depending on how you look at it his weekly power rankings on cbsports.com one last reminder to show us some love and hit that like button and also subscribe to our youtube page for everyone listening to the audio version only download follow leave a five-star review tell your friends to listen and watch the pod now streaming on paramount plus you're ready bob well, all right. audiences are raving bob marley is electrifying it's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.